0: The doctor is in.
1: Well, Dr. Batar, I sure hope you're in because I'm barely here having done, uh, well, again, seven days in a row of broadcasting at the Orlando uh, Expo for the Natural Products Association. So you're carrying the weight today. All right, I'm ready. <laughs> well, thank. You. That was the answer I was hoping for.
0: <laughs> it doesn't mean that I really will be able to, but I just said I'm ready. Got to have a positive attitude.
1: See, there's a living example, Doctor Bittar, right there. Remember, uh, he in the 14th, this Saturday coming up, he's going to be in Vancouver. We'll talk more about that, and the links are in the show notes uh, for the brain recovery protocol that's going to be revealed there. Very exciting. But we got questions coming in from the listeners. We've got news stories galore. It's all you know. It's like sometimes I just wonder, with so much coming in at the same time, where do you want to start? And I know you. He'll be game for any direction.
0: I am. I'm open to any direction.
1: Well, I, open to everything uh, and attached to nothing, in the words of Wayne Dyer. Nicely said. Nicely said. That is enlightenment. So, uh, how about this? You know, the Fear and Death Administration strikes again. Uh, <laughs> you know, they, I
0: like the fear and fear death. My uncle actually has a book that he called The FDA Foods, Drugs, and Other Assumptions.
1: Oh, that's a good way of putting it as well. And if we look at uh, the whole the failed drug paradigm, you know, the idea that. The only reason we're, we're not all dead is because we lack some synthetic drug molecule. It's taking to extremes here as the FDA has been reported to approve a $1,000 a day hepatitis C pill. And this is thanks to Gilead Sciences, Sciences, as I said, uh, from Sovaldi, uh, that they're saying we've got an easier cure for chronic infection of the liver if you'll just give us a grand a day for this pill. Yeah, unbelievable.
0: And <clears throat> I would like to know, what side effects that's going to have on the liver parenchyma, on the glutathione levels, you know, on the hepatocytes themselves. <clears throat> there is no drug that's ever going to fix anything like this because by definition a drug is going to inhibit a pathway. It's going to block processes from taking place, whereas something like a hepatitis scenario, you need to enhance a pathway. You need to upregulate them. You need to flush out the system. You need to clean it up. You need to decrease the viral counts. And there's no drug that's going to do that. Mm-hmm.
1: My, my first impression here, of course, is, uh, uh, you know, they've got a growing market because there's a lot of liver toxicity, liver congestion that's never diagnosed in the medical field. And, of course, then they say it, it's something that's infectious. And we know that these infections are opportunistic based on what? Toxicity and deficiency. Go back and read The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away by Dr. Bittar. You'll get it. Uh, And yet they're able to get away with this idea of, hey, look, we've got this shiny new pill. It's only going to cost a grand a a month. Don't worry. You won't have to pay for it. Obamacare will, which means every person besides you will pay for it and bankrupt (laughs) you and kill you faster because this is going to be another toxic drug.
0: Robert, that's actually like a nice 60-second opener to introduce Obamacare. That should be put up on the uh, Obamacare website.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Join us (laughs) now. We'll give you a $1,000 pill for free, and it'll only kill your liver. But, hey, the hep C will die, too.
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Unbelievable.
1: Now, am I am I too controversial in disputing the actual definitive identity of a hepatitis C virus? Because I've read in the literature there is controversy about this. And, and I'd say that even if they have identified one, which, again, I'm not giving them yet, the reality is there's cellular dysregulation. There's all kinds of things that we know from an environmental terrain perspective that manifests, and they just want to call it something that they can attack and kill with a drug theoretically.
0: No, I don't think it would be controversial at all. I mean, in, in medicine, the suffix that ends with a TIS, right. itis, mm-hmm. the ITIS, I should say, itis, is usually indicative of an inflammatory change. So if you have pancreatitis, you have an inflammation of the pancreas. Uh, so hepatitis is an inflammation of the liver. Now, they have hepatitis A, hepatitis B, hepatitis C. Uh, Hepatitis C used to actually be called non-A, non-B back, I guess, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago. Sometime after I graduated from medical school, it was called non-A, non-B, and then they changed it to hepatitis C. And I assume when you meant about, what, are you controversial mm-hmm. by talking about the ideological component whether or not there is actually a virus present? Is that what you meant?
1: Yeah, definitive. We've identified this one virus. It definitely is. A, I mean, it's, I think that's a bunk. I think when you were, you're right, going back to the history of non-A, non-B. I mean, who's going to jump up on down on a drug? We've got a drug to to address non A non B. Well, what is it? Well, it's not A. It's not B. We don't know what. Well, here's a drug for it. So they needed something to say we've targeted it. We've identified. It, so we now we can target. And this builds into that whole uh, uh, you know pharmaceutical monopoly patent medicine drug profit model that wouldn't fit a non A non B description.
0: Right. That's why you know the next letter in the alphabet C. Hey, let's name it C. <laughs> yeah. Let's go right. With it. <laughs> But you're right, it makes a lot more sense to say, well, it's not this, A, and it's not this, B, so. It must be C. Convince people to say, "Hey, take a drug because we know it's not this and we know it's not that. We don't know what it is, but we don't know what it, we we know it's not these two. So here, take this drug for something that we don't know what it is. They couldn't right market it;
1: it wouldn't work. It, so, it would work psychologically it would not work. You're yeah. absolutely right. So now you see it. Now you don't. <laughs> so yeah. appetite is see it. Well, as, as we say here, the reality of this non A, non B, or now called C, is we're talking about chronic liver inflammation, which is due to chronic hepatic toxicity, chronic systemic body toxicity, and of course, the accompanying. Deficiency. And, of course, the toxicity includes all of the heavy metals that impact negatively on liver excretion, etc. Uh, so, you know, to throw a drug, I'm thinking these guys and gals are still in the drug stone age throwing this out there. How would they even go this direction still?
0: Well, you know, the thing is hepatitis A is considered a self-limiting condition, meaning that you don't do any treatment for it. You just let the body take care of itself. Hepatitis B is supposed to be there permanently. And then, of course, they've got the hepatitis C, which is attributed to... Uh, a different type of virus that's resistant and basically once you have hepatitis C supposedly, you know, it's done, you're done there's yeah. no condition death or treatment system. for it right? yeah, exactly, exactly <clears throat> now, it's probably interesting for the listeners to know that my treatment for hepatitis A, my treatment for hepatitis B and my treatment for hepatitis C is actually exactly the same and we have remarkable results for all condition, all three of those conditions, because we're not treating a virus, we do make an assumption that there is a toxicity issue and we know that the third toxicity the opportunistics is going to be more than likely there Mm -hmm. whether or not there's a virus there or not let's put that aside we know that the opportunistic toxicities are viral bacterial uh, fungal All these various things that are opportunistic, mycoplasms, spirochetes, etc., etc. So we know there's an opportunistic issue there. But again, we start off with the first heavy metal, second persistent organic pollutants, clean up the system, then we hit the body with one of the treatments that is designed to get rid of the persistent organic pollutants, make them less persistent, which is the ozone autohemotherapy and the ultraviolet blood irradiation. So that's going to help to break down the chemicals so the body can process them. But the side effect of that treatment is that it kills anything that's not supposed to be in the system, meaning the unhealthy cells, DNA adducts, cancer cells, virus, bacteria, uh, yeast, mycoplasma, uh, all these different, types of substances, opportunistic components that don't have the ability to increase peroxidase and catalase within their intracellular makeup or within their makeup because viruses are even smaller than cells obviously. So whatever the case is these catalase and peroxidase that the normal healthy cells can increase when they're exposed to high levels of oxidative stressors these other opportunistic components can't compensate and so this treatment basically eradicates all those components Now, again notice that I said I don't know whether it's a bacteria or virus or a sparky or mycoplasma or yeast or whatever but I know that they're all present because when you have a person with hepatitis their systems are lower functioning they're fatigued they're tired they are a cesspool, allowing and waiting for other opportunistic things to jump on. So whether it's the ideological component, the part that caused it, or whether it's a sequela, the a result of the immune system being suppressed, it doesn't really matter to us. We're going to help to reduce the burden, but we're not using that as the treatment. The treatment is all about detoxification, right. to upregulate the pathways, to get the phase one, phase two going, to yeah. flush the liver, to improve the lymphatics, get the drainage going, and then uh, help to reduce the burden on the liver and allow the liver to start coming back on. Yeah,
1: that. I want to come back to your starting point when you mentioned hepatitis A, B, and C, that you have basically the same protocol, and, and you'd address all three cases uh, successfully, which confirms, again, my experience over the years working homeopathically, dietarily, detoxification focus points, and addressing it even with physicians that have used the silver that you use as well, uh, although they're often the patients are often frightened when they go onto these holistic uh, protocols because they're dependent upon the numbers that come back in these so-called viral load tests that evidently don't differentiate between viable replicating viruses and debris that have been neutralized by the anti-infection type uh, substances that you may in, 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 you know intercede with whether it be ozone whether it be silver or anything holistic even for goodness sake antibiotics which we're not uh, fans of that don't really interact with bacteria. Uh, uh, viruses I should say can cause debris increase in these tests it's a strange, it's not as specific as people have been led to believe in other words
0: that's an excellent point Robert because when they do testing for these various types of hepatitis which by the way it's hepatitis B and hepatitis C that is usually attacked hepatitis A most doctors you know let it go because they know it's self limiting but it's very interesting that you brought that point up because and it's excellent that you brought that point up because that's exactly what they're measuring they're measuring the antigen exposure So you're looking at the hepatitis B, hepatitis C antigens. And an antigen, remember, it doesn't have to be an actual virus. An antigen is anything that acts as a haptan in the body, anything that is foreign to the system. So when the body sees debris, as you put it, or a DNA addict or anything, you know, uh, uh, anything that you put into the body that the body sees as foreign will have an antibody antigen reaction. So when you look at most of these tests, they're all antigen or antibody um, measurements. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have the viral count. There is a viral count that they also do.
1: Well, hold on, but- hold on here, Dr. Bittar, because we've got to take a break here. I want to get into this fascinating discussion here based on this new drug coming out to neutralize hep C. Really, I, we don't believe it. We'll show you how to do it when we come back. It is Dr. Batar, and we are going. What is, what is this called? It's Advanced Medicine Monday. I told you I was exhausted. <laughs> we'll be right back. <laughs> The Robert Scott Bell
0: Show. My name is Bruno. I'm 52 years old. I've tried different protein powders over the years, and they've all tasted pretty bad. I tried One World Way and found it to be delicious. After 10 weeks on One World Way, my wife commented, "You have more muscles and you're leaner than when you were 20 years old." My body has changed dramatically. I'm a cyclist. Normally, I'll ride two days on and take two days off. After being on One World Way, I rode 10 days in a row in over 100 degree heat, and then I take another two servings of One World Way and then work out at the gym for another hour and a half. I just couldn't believe these results. My normal muscle tightness and soreness after working out are virtually gone. Don't take my word for it. One World Way comes in single servings. Just give it a try. For a health and taste sensation you'll love, call 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. That's 888-988-3325. Or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's One World, W-H-E-Y dot com.
1: Rocking the health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Well, as you can see, Dr. Bittar, I am definitely not all here. You're carrying it. You're doing a great job. I've got some insights, but uh, bear with me as I try to get in and out of breaks today. <laughs> well, we won't
0: talk about your adult onset dementia at all.
1: Yes, it's, 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 it's caused by the, the, the weekends that we don't get any time off, and, and then we come back Monday, and I've been Doctor Batar suffers through me. So, <laughs> thank you, my friend. Now, no we, we were talking viral load tests. As I said, the controversy of those who rely solely on numbers, as if you know, blood chemistry is the only explanation for good health or bad health. And I, you know, I talk to docs that are working more holistically, and they're, they get a little nervous too because they're trying to transition away from that concept, but they still rely on those numbers. And so, if you put a patient on a, a very powerful antimicrobial campaign, that is non-toxic in other words via the natural means that we know that you utilize oftentimes they go back to those tests and show the viral counts have elevated yet it's not corresponding to how well the patients actually are you ask them how they're feeling how's their oh my energy's great my digestion's good i'm feeling top of the world and then their numbers show that they're going to die right That's, Oh, the numbers are through the roof so what's the truth how well they feel or the numbers on the test and that's again the non specificity of, well, viable replicating viruses versus the debris field, the responses to everything.
0: Well, Robert, that's a good point, too. I actually have not had that experience. I mean, when you're dealing with, say, something like cancer, mm-hmm. yes, we will see the tumor actually expand and get bigger because we just hit it effectively and it's swelling up before it breaks apart but i haven't seen the viral counts actually going up when we do our treatments we've actually seen the viral counts go drop down pretty significantly do you
1: know do you know why that is and i'm going to tell you and it's your deal because i know because you unlike the the physicians that are starting to work in this direction you will support their excretory pathways in extraordinary ways. And the reason, in my opinion, you know, talking now as a homeopath in my experience here, is that these physicians, as good as they're trying to be, they don't understand how much those pathways of elimination have to be supported. So the debris builds up. They can't excrete it fast enough. And that's why they're getting the number counts that you're not in your patient population.
0: That makes total sense. And I would concur with you because the Again, detoxification means to detox, to get rid of stuff, and that's what we're doing. We are opening up the pathway. There's a huge issue with liver congestion. There's a huge issue with lymphatic obstruction and mm-hmm. lymphatic stagnation in patients that have uh, liver issues, and we really hit the liver hard to get those processes moving, And as well as the fact that the... Glutathione, which mm-hmm. everybody knows the benefits of glutathione, except for the medical boards, because that's one of the things they said. Yes, we know about the uh, we know what glutathione is. We just are trying to figure <laughs> out what the clinical relevance is. I think I told you that. <laughs> yes, we've
1: board. covered that. That was hilarious.
0: Yeah, so of course they don't know what the relevance of the most um, one of the most important natural antibiotics, natural antioxidants, natural everything in the body. But glutathione is found in every cell in the body, but it's primarily in the highest concentrations found within the hepatocytes. So, by Upregulating the pathways, as you just said, to you know get these the lymphatic drainage and, and get the stagnation of the liver and the lymph moving, and then you bring in this other component where you're helping to upregulate the components that are existing within the hepatocytes, the glutathione itself, upregulate that which has a natural anti-inflammatory effect, has a natural antibiotic effect, has a has a detoxification effect. You are literally not only just wringing out that liver, but you're, you know, dusting it, blow drying it, you're, do, you're doing everything, you, you're, right. you're washing it in, in like three different cycles of, you know, in a washing machine, whatever you want to call it, you're just moving everything, so I would agree with you that the reason we don't see our viral counts going up like some people do, we always, always see viral counts going down, and sometimes, Robert, they're mm-hmm. they're dramatic, like they'll yes. go from, you know, 80 million down to Two million in in a two-week period or something.
1: Well, the reason, again, I come back to is that eventually this happens with these other physicians working patients more holistically, but it takes them months to catch up because they don't have the intense understanding and application of the things that you do to bring those down immediately or in conjunction with the antimicrobial aspect of, of, let's say, upregulating immunity or, you know, let's say modulating immunity is the the best way to say it. So it's a distinct difference. It isn't that these folks are necessarily in danger because they tend to feel well, pretty good along the way, but these physicians haven't fully integrated to the level that you have, that detox protocol from, as you said, in all areas and always washing it, cleaning it, everything. But, you know, that's the distinct difference that's so important. That's why I encourage all you physicians out there to listen, or if you're new to the Robert Scott Bell Show Advanced Medicine Monday Editions with Dr. Bittar, read his book, plug into it. Anytime he's doing a seminar, get and see him. If you're going to Vancouver this weekend, kudos, the Saturday, the 14th, you're going to get the brain recovery protocols, which will include, of course, detoxification. We've got to take a quick break here. I know this segment goes all too quickly. We'll see if we can wrap up on this issue. We've got another uh, a big question from a listener related to uh, a parent or, or, or that someone in their 80s dealing with some uh, cardiovascular blood issues. So stand by for that and a whole lot more. Advanced Medicine Monday continues. The Robert Scott Belson. The health world through the power of radio. It's the Robert Scott Bell Show. Did you ever miss? The Advanced Medicine Monday edition of the Robert Scott Bell Show with Dr. Rasha Bittar. Uh, we've got easy access through show notes, links. I know a lot of people are downloading it through iTunes as well or going to Natural News Radio. But we can go specific to MedicalRewind.com. MedicalRewind.com, another great place to tap into hundreds of hours of Dr. Rasha Bittar and RSB uh, doing what we do each week. Now, just wrapping up the, the liver discussion, the hepatitis C, the new drug. We were just going over that on the break, what this new drug appears to do, Dr. Batar.
0: I really like the little acronym that they've got now, but yeah, you said that, uh, Robert, I don't have the article pulled up in front of me, but you said that it uh, is actually blocking uh,
1: some of the nucleotide replication components. Yeah, they call it a nucleotide analog inhibitor, or a NUC for short. And I'm like, wow, this could be an appropriate name if it's doing what I think it's doing.
0: Right. Well, I, I agree with you. Now, there is something that we have worked with, the matrix metalloproteinase inhibitors, that are actually substances that are responsible. The matrix metalloproteinase are components that the cancer releases in order for the cancer to spread through the system, so it allows for metastasis. So the inhibitors prevent this substance from being secreted from the cancer. We've worked with that. That's the only inhibitor that I have seen in clinical practice that actually seems to have any benefit without any uh, side effects. But when you start to block replication of proteins, for example, Mm -hmm. then you can also block the replication of any component of the body in any of the regenerative processes of the system so if you have a liver that's damaged part of that whole process is liver can be regrown but you're not going to be able to grow regrow the
1: liver because you're blocking the process of regeneration. What an irony, but an appropriate way they call this a nuke. It's going to yeah. kill everything, so you can't regenerate. Oh, whoop de doo We killed a virus. You know that's what they're going to claim. But at the same time, you've just completely nuked the ability of the virus. Or, or let me say of the liver cells to regenerate because the liver is mo- more regenerative than any other aspect of the body, and you stop it with this.
0: And it's going to actually cause people to go into liver failure and die. So that's yeah. it's going to be kind of like the cancer c- uh, scenario where you kill the cancer and you kill the patient self-fulfilling toxicity as the patient dies yeah self-fulfilling toxicity yeah exactly i mean there is no better way of a drug company to i mean if think about it they they create a solution Mm -hmm. then they kill more people and then it gives them more reason to use more of the drugs to justify why this endemic situation is increasing and they have to use more uh vicious drugs and more harsher drugs and more Uh, stronger drugs etc etc but you're actually creating that problem yourself it's a self-fulfilling prophecy
1: as you just said well at least they're consistent and of course uh you recognize that yeah predictable in that way yes so uh let's let's move on to a question from a listener we've got this from josette she says hello rsb and dr batar we've got a bit of a problem on our hands with my father-in-law uh we've taken over his health protocols for about six months now we've managed to heal one area working on another of skin cancer but we are at a loss for this one. He had an endovascular stent graft put in place a couple of years ago, and it's now leaking at the Y in one of his legs. Dr. Batar, what what is an endovascular stent graft?
0: Well, a graft is basically where they take one portion of something and put it somewhere else where it's needed. So they basically took um, a vascular graft, probably Mm -hmm. from the leg, and then they essentially repaired what seems like an early aneurysm or, or uh, basically a uh, thinning of the intimal layer within the uh, vessel. Right, and in the vascular so,
1: system. Okay, a weakening. Yeah. Oh, she I wrote, think of it as the tire that's been patched. Right, she wrote graft, so I was confused it's graft. G-R-A-F-T. That's what threw me. All right, cool. I'm sure sure that's
0: what you meant, the graft.
1: Yeah, yeah. He is an 83-year-old with a pacemaker on Coumadin, that blood thinner, and a variety of other drugs that we've been able to work around. We are very concerned about putting him in the hospital again. Is there anything we can do to stop this internal bleeding without interfering with the Coumadin or, better yet, heal this aorta? Uh, Please help or tell me where to look for info. We're up against the clock. Shalom, uh, Josette. So uh, just real quick, homeopathic phosphorus is indicated here, but that's not the only thing. It's a very complicated and comprehensive issue and, and a dangerous one in this case.
0: Yeah, these kind of questions, they always bother me, Robert, because you see what the person is asking. There's a very key line here, and the line is, is there anything we can do to stop this internal bleeding? So they want to stop bleeding without interfering with the Coumadin, which is going to cause more bleeding. And that's the rat poison. So it's, it's asking you to uh, you know, give, you, give advice on how to stop something from occurring when the drug that they've got them on is going to cause that, and they don't want to interfere with the drug that's causing part of the problem. <laughs> yeah, right. That's another irony here. And, and to answer a question like this on the air… Which, which we know our best friends at the FDA you know, <laughs> listen to us here. We know yes. that.
1: we we, we got to be uh, general and say we're not giving you medical advice specific. We're giving general information about cases like this, things to look out for, things to be concerned about. And, you know, we generally feel for you, Josette, and wanting to do all the good things. But, again, there's a lot that we could never do just verbally talking, but we can talk principally about these conditions and situations.
0: Exactly, and that's exactly what we'll do you know the internal bleeding it's not really internal bleeding even though yes you s- internal bleeding i would say is something where you, well like i guess it is internal bleeding because it's it's internal and it's bleeding so yes but it, it's basically the graft is failing is what's happening or the internal layer of within the vessel is actually expanding getting thinner um uh, at the site where the graft was where the anastomosis is is opening up becoming compromised whatever the case is and um the problem is, once something like this has been done, then you're almost you're almost uh, mandated to then continue down the same line because you've already created an unusual scenario in the body that's not natural, i.e., the surgical intervention, and so you really can't stop that issue from occurring without either one trying to go back into that area mm-hmm. surgically or uh, finding something else that would supersede that intervention, right? Uh, meaning that, meaning that th- there has to be something that patches that graph because we're not dealing with uh, we're not dealing with a natural scenario. Does that make sense,
1: Robert? Yeah, yeah. No, you, you've created artificially a problem that compounded the earlier problem in trying to repair it instead of really correcting it. We come back to something we were just discussing on the liver issue: regeneration of healthy new tissue. Which in a healthy body, it would happen fairly naturally. Of course, they talk about the the reduction in that capacity as we age, but I would argue it's more because of toxicity and deficiency than just age alone or even age primarily.
0: Absolutely. I totally agree. So that's one issue. Then you've got the other issue where they've got the patient on a drug that's designed to do something. So in this particular case, there's a scenario where obviously if the person is having these vascular issues there's a issue with keeping the blood from clotting and so the mechanism that they are using is called warfarin or Coumadin and that that basically works on the extrinsic clotting pathway. Mm -hmm. Now whether you want to work on the intrinsic or the extrinsic clotting pathway it's not really as important of an issue as how those pathways are interfering with the rest of the system. So you're dealing with a drug that is going to cause other issues. That is going to have a lot of iatrogenic issues. Um, mm-hmm. And it's in conflict directly with the problem that is uh, occurring here.
1: I mean, would, basically, much, the drug is interfering with the process of healing. At the same time, it's trying, it, the drug they're arguing is used to keep the patient potentially alive.
0: Correct, correct. But there's another component too. So the the, the drug itself has other sequelae to it. There, there's other consequences of the drug as well. So it's almost at this point, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you don't. And mm-hmm. there are things that can be done, but I certainly would not be comfortable talking about that on the air because I sure. know what happens. Then a person gets desperate They try doing something at home and then you end up having an acute event. Uh, it has to be done in a managed situation right. with somebody that knows... How to deal with this uh, type of scenario vascular issue um we we've dealt with this type of stuff it's uh, not it's not as difficult as it is um, let me put it this way it's not a difficult thing mm mm-hmm. It's a simple thing, but it's a complicated thing, meaning that uh, – how right. would you explain that? What would be a good analogy? It's, it's not something that's intensively difficult. Mm-hmm. It's just difficult because it's a complicated thing, but it's, it's relatively simple to do, meaning that if you know the pathway through the maze, it's relatively simple to do. Right. Um, there's a friend of mine, actually, who's a vascular surgeon who's in Tennessee, Dr. Holiday. Uh, I know that he's dealt with these type of issues many times. You know, We deal with it quite often. Mm-hmm. We don't deal with it as extensively as he does because most of his patients are coming to him for vascular issues. But uh, it, it, if you know what to do, it, it's something that can be uh, dealt with. But the biggest issue here, the biggest difficulty here, is that you've got an area on one side of the body that you need to maintain a reductive stance as far as Uh, bleeding is concerned on the other side you've got something on the individual that is designed to keep the blood thin which is going to promote bleeding which side effect of that is to be have you know nosebleeds epitaxis that kind of stuff sure you've always got to be concerned about internal bleeding when you're in coumadin and so the question is even posed how do we do this without interfering with one so how do we go left without Uh going right but how do we go left um and not compromise
1: our mm-hmm. ability to go right. Right, right. <laughs> That's and, the question. To yeah, with. and other than Dr. Holiday, you mentioned uh, most vascular docs are not schooled or skilled in this at no. all. They're not taught about this aspect of, uh, of healing, and they don't know, for instance, of trace mineral replenishment like silica for vascular elasticity and strength. I mean, these are these are you know outside of the realm of their specialty, even though it should be part and parcel of their specialty. Because if they don't know what you know builds strong, elastic uh, vascular uh, tissue, then You know, what are they doing, giving a drug?
0: That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And and even
1: using Coumadin, we know there are options in the enzyme realm, the natokinase as well, uh, uh, different things that can be utilized. Even, you know, I've got peer-reviewed literature that I've referenced in some of my lectures about they find that intravenous introduction of of silver reduces blood platelet aggregation while upregulating regeneration. So, I mean, there's so much more to meet the eye than just, here, drug them and let's just manage these drugs. Hopefully this patient will live.
0: Yeah, actually, Robert, there's you've already said a lot more than I wanted to say. But there are many things that can be done uh, instead of Coumadin yeah. that are very, very effective. And, uh, you know, as an example, you know, the situation, the personal situation that I just went through with my father, right. uh, that was one of my concerns because you don't want to get a person locked into one of these uh, – never-ending, self-fulfilling, prophecy-type medications that you were just talking about, like with this new drug with the liver, the Dukes. Right. And, you know, so, yes, he's just had a stroke. Yes, he has to be anticoagulated. No, you don't want to anticoagulate him with certain drugs like, you know, I mean, again, I'm not going to say that, but there's there's certain drugs that I would never want any of my patients on. uh, So, of course, my father's not going to be on that either. Yes. And getting back in time to make sure that I could intervene appropriately with the desired effect without the negative Uh, desired effect sure making sure that all that stuff is timed right that was one of the key things
1: when we come back we'll uh, get a quick update on uh, dr patar's father as well as a question about what's going on in california seven out of ten doctors boycotting obamacare wow stand by live around the world the robert scott Bell 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 show Scott the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. All right, remember, Dr. Bittar is going to be in Vancouver, B.C., up in Canada. All our listeners up there, if you're in the neighborhood, come on down and see him. It's this Saturday, the, what is it, the 14th of December. Yes, the 14th of December, Brain Recovery. No, it's brainsolutions.ca, brainsolutions.ca. And we've got that linked up in the show notes in case you're not sure. Just come on down and see it at RobertScottBell.com. I wish I could be there with you, Dr. Batar, but I'm also happy to be home and traveling so much.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I know that... The- it's uh, it becomes tiresome so i don't i don't blame you for not wanting to or being happy that you don't have to be somewhere
1: yeah it's, uh, but you know the, we do it because it's our mission too so i understand as well now your dad give us a quick update how's he doing Recovery each week we get a little bit of insight
0: well friday marked his two weeks of treatment of which two days were half a day three days were full days this past week and before that because it was thanksgiving weekend only two days were full days and three days were half weeks uh, half days i'm sorry and um on saturday he walked around between the living room the dining room through the kitchen of my brother's house all unassisted
1: nope no cane or anything
0: Uh, i think he might have uh, i didn't see the video but Mm -hmm. i think he may have gone using a chair to one of the kids kind of holding on to him to the table but
1: yes he did it without a cane still it's incredibly impressive considering where he was so that's great news i'm glad to hear it and one of the problems is whenever you have a one-sided stroke like that, since he had a
0: left um, left medullary stroke, his right side was paralyzed. So if you're using a cane, you can only use it on your left side, but the left side is good. It's it your is- right side that's weak. So it makes it difficult to kind of walk on a cane. Right. And so that's why he was walking to – and I asked him, I said, you know, walk as if you don't have anything to support and go between things. And. And he's able to do that. I mean, he's getting better and better. I saw a video clip with him with um, the occupational therapist that was so funny. He was doing some leg exercises, and you could see he was slouching deeper and deeper into his wheelchair. So he stops, and he tells the therapist, uh, I need to be moved up higher in in the chair. And the therapist says, well, go ahead then. You don't need permission. And then you see my dad put his other foot right leg down left leg push himself up and he sits back up at the chair and then he continues his exercises
1: nice well done all right well listen uh, on the doctoring front i want to get an update from you because out in california uh, which has largely been an obama supported state looks like seven out of the ten doctors in that state are saying T- we don't want any part of these exchanges
0: yeah uh, that's pretty incredible i mean that's really incredible uh, it's incredible that they're actually reporting it because i've heard this over and over again but you don't hear mainstream media covering it so this is interesting that the washington examiner actually has reported it and as far as comments on it i'm not surprised it would make more than sense that healthcare providers understand what's being done here is may at the very very superficial level like at the very external you know, epidermis level, mm-hmm. may seem to be a good idea. And yet, as soon as you open up this can of worms, you're talking about uh, a, cen- a scenario that's that's going to definitely fail because it violates every principle of natural
1: uh, law. Right, right. Well, I, I think that with this inevitability of the physicians themselves removing themselves from uh, a government-supported su- marketplace, if you can call it that, that inevitably there's going to be an explosion of people looking into, hey, how do I plug into advanced medicine? I mean, I may be exaggerating a little bit, but I mean they 're going to be looking well, how do I function anymore? That system that I was in is 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 beyond repair
0: Robert you were at one of the conferences right where one of the attendees mm-hmm. said that the program that that was launched, the uh, HeadMap, is mm-hmm. actually the the best anti uh, Obamacare program that they 've seen,
1: yes. Yeah, the ahead map again. That's I think, like you said, you're going to be flooded as this reality comes to fore because the doctors, I mean, I don't think that most doctors just want to quit being doctors. Most of them got in it because they wanted to be. But uh, given the opportunities that they see, they were, they're were they leaving the profession. Now, what if they had a way that they can continue being doctors and helping people uh, really this time?
0: By empowering the people themselves to make their own decisions and, and take you know their own scenarios into control because that's what you're doing. You're taking your own healthcare problem and taking a hold of it and empowering, being empowered to be able to deal with it in an effective manner mm-hmm. with positive results, not with negative results. So yes, I, I am very excited about it. It is unfortunate that it has to come to this type of uh, uh, extreme, but you know, as with all healing crises, sometimes you have to go through that Hershberger mm-hmm. response, and I think. This is part and parcel of what we've talked about for the last couple of years, Robert, that it's it's a coming of the new. Yes. In order for the new to come in, the old must uh, first be disseminated and, right. and eliminated, and this is part of that sloughing-off process, I
1: Yeah, think. in order for the healing to occur, and it does each week here on Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rasha Batar, where we're out of time, so we must remind you once again that the power to heal is yours. The Robert Scott the Bell, Robert Bell Show. Scott Bell Show.